Welcome to Creating Space for Grief and Hope with Advanced Grief Recovery Specialist Holly Gainsborough and Creative Grief Coach Elizabeth Catagnani. Here you'll find support, wisdom, stories, and practical tools for your unique healing journey. This is where grief and hope coexist and empower us as we heal and grow. And now, your hosts, Holly and Elizabeth. Hello, and welcome to Creating Space for Grief and Hope. This is your host, Elizabeth Catagnani, certified creative grief coach and founder of Her Creative Wellness. I'm here with my co-host, Holly. Hey, everyone. It's Holly Gainsborough, grief recovery method specialist and founder of Golden Heart Grief Support and Education. We are so pleased that you're joining us today. This month's topic is finding hope and peace during the Thanksgiving holiday. There will be a myriad of emotions that we can experience during the holiday season, and especially as we lead up to the holiday, you know, and with Thanksgiving, sometimes that's harder than the holiday itself, that anticipation. So we want to be gentle with ourselves, and there are so many, as I said, emotions that we can encounter during that time, and Elizabeth is going to share a couple of those emotions. Elizabeth? You may be feeling a lot of things, including joy or sadness or a lot of both, and it's important to accept all those feelings because it's likely that they're going to ebb and flow throughout the season, but it's important that you give yourself permission to to feel what you're feeling and be in the authenticity of, of that feeling. So if you're feeling joy, you should give yourself permission to enjoy yourself, to laugh and to smile. There's not, you are not dishonoring your loved one by having fun and allowing yourself to, to let the joy in. Yeah, exactly. You know, there are some people who Elizabeth can sometimes feel like, oh, how can I be laughing? How can I be having fun when they're not here? And it's okay. It's okay to smile. It's okay to have fun. It's okay to have a mix of those feelings. It's also okay to give yourself permission to feel the sadness, the missing of what once was, and allow yourself to bow out if you feel like you need to from certain activities maybe that you used to participate in when your loved one was still alive, um, or to even leave the events early if you're going to a Thanksgiving dinner at family or friends. And you may say, you know what? I got to go. This isn't feeling comfortable for me. And it's even okay to let your host or hostess know that you may leave early or even that you may not be able to show up at all. All of that is okay. And again, that also is not dishonoring your loved one, no matter where you are or what you are able to do in that moment. Absolutely. And people may tell you, this is something you might hear. Uh, people may say, oh, well, your loved one would want you to have a good time and not want you to be sad during Thanksgiving. And only you can truly know what your loved one would want for you. And it's important, again, to just listen to your own truth because it's not about what others expect of you or what others might want you to be feeling. It's about your reality. And you know your loved one best and what they would want for you during this time of year, especially. So to remember that it's really about uh, what this what this holiday is going to be like for you. And it's not about pleasing anyone else, but truly just tuning into your own needs and, and your, your own um, authenticity for this time of year. We need to also, and it's okay, create boundaries. 
whatever boundaries you need during that time. You know, the path you are on is yours to follow. It's nobody else's path but your own. So follow it in the way that feels safest and most comfortable for you. And sometimes you don't even know what feels safe or comfortable. And you might be like, well, how do I know how I'm going to feel? That's okay, too. Just trust your instincts. Trust where you are. And I always love when people say, Elizabeth, oh, but this is what your loved one would want. Or, you know, oh, you need to have fun. Or, you know, you need to do this. You know what? You know what you need. Trust that you know what you need. And trust that what you need matters. And it matters to you. So create those boundaries. Um, you know, I'm going to, sh- you know, and we want to share our own stories, you know, about our first Thanksgivings after our loved ones hit a died. And I know, Elizabeth, you have, you know, a story about after Brian died and what that was like for you, you know, so close to Thanksgiving. Yeah, we, we thought it might be helpful to share our own experiences so that you know you're not alone, uh, especially the holidays can bring up very intense emotions uh, because it's a time of year that is filled with a lot of emotion and feeling. You may feel extra stress or pressure to be a certain way. So we felt that sharing our stories could be um, perhaps comforting to you as you're moving through your own experience. And for me, my first Thanksgiving after my late husband died actually came very close uh, to his death. He died in August of 2009, so I had really only had a couple of months to process and to be with the reality of my loss, and it was incredibly difficult. I would say the anticipation of the holiday was almost right on par with the difficulty of the holiday itself and the situation just because his death had occurred so close to the holiday season. And I was honestly an absolute mess. I did the best I could to set things in place to protect myself boundary-wise. One of the requests that I made uh, was with my family to please keep conversation to a minimum at the table because I was very worried about being emotionally activated around certain topics. And I knew, too, that my family didn't really know exactly what to say and they were feeling some awkwardness. So I think it almost gave a little bit of relief to everybody that they weren't expected to comfort me or say certain things. And I I just feel like it worked really well for all of us. And there was an incident during our family gathering, we were taking a family photo and my daughter at the time, she was only about six months, seven months old. And she was sitting on one of our family members' laps, and she accidentally went tumbling off of her lap onto her head. And this, you know, this is after I had gone through the loss of my son at birth, and then 18 months later, lost my husband. So I was absolutely beside myself when I saw her tumble. And I can remember, and I know the family member felt horrible, and I felt so sorry for her later that the way I reacted, because I know she just felt horrible. And I went running up the stairs uh, into a closet and was just crying my eyes out and hysterical. And my sister came in there to calm me down. And it was just, that's where I was. It was just an absolute emotional, like heavy, heavy day for me. And I felt like everything just felt wrong. 
you know, he wasn't alive anymore. How could people go on celebrating and having these stupid holidays? And, you know, I was very bitter and angry and uh, felt very overwhelmed. So that that was the way that I had to get through that day was I, I ended up in tears and it was okay. And I let myself cry. And another uh, comment, though, that sticks out from that time period, this was shortly before the holiday, I was very, I was talking to a friend about how upset I was that I couldn't believe we were going to be having Thanksgiving and that Brian was no longer there for me to even connect with on that day. And even though he was overseas, we still had many opportunities to call each other and to speak to each other over Zoom calls. And there were lots of opportunities for connection. And uh, she said, she said, uh, with, you know, she had so much good meaning involved in trying to help me. But she said, well, I'm not sure why it's so difficult, given that he wasn't going to be here anyway. And this was about, you know, his deployment. He was going to be gone initially from August to January of that year. So he was actually going to be missing all the holidays. But what she didn't understand was that, well, it's not about him not physically being here. It's about the fact that he's not here at all, anywhere on this planet. And the enormity of that and the surrealness of that and the reality that I will not even be able to call him to say happy Thanksgiving or have an exchange with him or an email or anything. So that was completely over my friend's head. And I, I obviously forgave her for that, for that comment, but I can remember how just gut wrenching that, that made me feel because I felt very minimized at that point in my grief. And I was worried about, okay, how is anyone going to understand me giving through this holiday? So that those two experiences stood out, stand out the most to me when I think back to that first um, holiday, family holiday without him. So, you know, everyone's experience is going to look very different, but I will tell you that it was an emotional roller coaster and uh, I, setting up those little boundaries that I had though with, you know, not speaking a lot about different things and keeping conversation neutral that did help me. So I would suggest if there's things like that that you feel might help you feel safe and more protected in your grief and still remaining true to yourself, not forcing yourself to act a certain way or to please anyone else. Uh, that was really my goal for the holiday was getting through it in the way that I felt I had to without thinking too much about other people's feelings. And but that it was still a mess, <laughs> but it but it was better than putting on a face and trying to worry about making everyone else comfortable. So those are my that was my journey through the first holiday there. As you were talking about running into the closet, you know, I got this visual, you know, of this running into the closet and how how many of us as grievers sometimes go into the closet to cry and close the door, you know, and why we do, I did that many, many times, you know, not Thanksgiving, but many times, you know, and that, that visual of the closet and what does the closet, you know, represent, you know, just to sort of shut ourselves off from the world outside for just a few moments to be in that, in that space of our sadness and our grief. 
you know, I almost sometimes feel like, you know, when I look back at my own experience of going into my closet, sometimes I would say I was in the closet, you know, crying because I didn't want my kids to be disrupted and disturbed by my crying. I just needed my own space. But I also sometimes feel like I wonder if it's almost like that womb, like setting this enclosed small space that nobody can penetrate in that moment and just to be still, you know, and, and that you yeah. knew what you needed to do in that moment. You know, when Ella, you know, had fallen, that in that moment, you need, you need it. You knew you needed to separate yourself and, and separate yourself, really fully separate yourself, going into the closet and closing the door, you know? Yeah. And so really, honestly, kudos to you for being that self-aware in that really painful moment at the same time. And so listeners, if you're hearing that, and maybe you've done that as well, or you think about it and think you shouldn't, it's Okay. To sort of separate yourself in that moment, if you need to close yourself in a room or close yourself in a closet or run out of the house and even sit in the car, you know, just to have that moment of solitude, you know, you knew to do that and you did it. You did it. So thank you for sharing that. That's a really, yeah, and that's a really pivotal moment um, and a share that a lot of people do that and don't realize that that's Mm -hmm. okay and that is really normal when you're in this moment of extreme pain to separate yourself and put some type of divider between yourself and other people. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. I don't think that was clear in my head when I did it. It was just an instinct to run in there. And I think that that, like you said, it is an instinct for many of us to, you know, just going in and creating a safe space for yourself to release Mm -hmm. and a form of protection and being inside a tiny enclosed space was what I needed in that moment to feel, to feel the safety that I needed. So yeah, that's an interesting point you brought up. With that. Yeah. And to separate yourself yeah. from all the other, all the noise, even your crying mm-hmm. child, the noise. Like, that's, And so listeners, I, I hope you hear that and receive that because that's really important. I did it myself many times and I hadn't really thought mm-hmm. about it. I mean, I talk about it, I talk about it, but I don't examine it, um, you know, and, and talks. But you're bringing it up definitely activated something. It's like, I, I want to address that. So thank you for sharing that um, and that first Thanksgiving. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you did everything you needed to do for yourself. So yay. Yay for you. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so for me, I'm going to share a very quick story about my last Thanksgiving. Since, you know, for you, yours, Brian, was such a sudden, unexpected, blindsiding death. Um, you know, Stephen's death was not unexpected. You can never be prepared, but it was not unexpected. We knew that it was our last Thanksgiving for him. We knew that, I mean, hospice had come in. We had the hospice bed set up in the family room. So we knew it was our last Thanksgiving for him, with him. Um, and we had plans with friends and my parents and the kids, uh, my kids, Derek and Liana were, um, eighth grade and 10 and senior in high school at the time, 13 and 17. And they both requested that we have Thanksgiving for just the four of us. They didn't want to be with other people. They really wanted it to be very insular. Um, and so we were very blessed that friends came over. They, they made dinner at their homes and brought it to us, set the table. And we had a truly beautiful final Thanksgiving together. It was really, really lovely. You know, if you have a loved one who is dying, you know, perhaps you haven't had a loved one die yet, but you're gearing up for it. And so you listen to this because you want to know what you can expect with your pain. Uh, it's okay, whatever you choose to do, when if your loved one is dying, it's okay to just do your own insular thing or to do a big thing. There's no right or wrong. We did what we felt we needed to do for our family and especially for our children. 
Um, and Stephen died in December of 2010. So our first Thanksgiving was a uh, little over 10 months after his death. And we always had Thanksgiving at our house or we went with friends, but we always, we always did it. We loved doing Thanksgiving. Stephen loved making the turkey. Like that was his favorite thing. And I did all the sides and all the fixings. And I knew that I did not want to be in Charlotte for Thanksgiving, which is where I lived, listeners in Charlotte, North Carolina. And my brother and his wife and his daughter had moved to Scottsdale, Arizona, a few months after Stephen died. So I called my brother. I said, I want to come to Arizona. I don't want to be in Charlotte. I can't be in my home. I knew that was not a space where I wanted to be. So the children and my parents and I all went to Scottsdale, Arizona and had Thanksgiving with my brother and his family. Uh, and that was really a nice relief for me. It took me out of that space where the pain was not just physically, but emotionally, energetically. Still was missing Stephen. Couldn't believe it was, our, you know, that he was no longer here for Thanksgiving. Being in a different location really helped me. You know, my brother and I went for a hike, you know, in the Arizona mountains, which was beautiful. And so I really nurtured and took care of myself and it set my boundaries. My boundaries were I can't be in Charlotte. I'm going with the kids. If anybody wants to come away with us, that's great. And luckily I had a place to go and that was lovely. The other thing that I did that day at dinner is um, much to my children's chagrin because they were teenagers. So, you know, <laughs> as I said, we're going to all say something we're thankful for, you know, and I used to do that every year anyway. And the kids would always kind of like grimace. Uh, but I really wanted everyone to share what they were thankful for. And it was really more I wanted to share what I was thankful for. And I was thankful for the time that I had with Stephen. But I was also so thankful for my children who gave me purpose during those first 10 months and, and helped me as sort of a guiding light. And Stephen also, his spirit for me was a guiding light, light for those 10 months. And I was thankful to have family that I could travel to and talk about Stephen with and be with them. So, um, so that was our first Thanksgiving. And I remember being okay. And it was hard. It was different. But because it wasn't in the usual space for me, my personal experience, it was easier because it was a different experience than I'd ever had for Thanksgiving before. I love, I love the boundary that you set around being in a new space and creating a new environment for yourself and how that impacted you and helped you through that time. That's okay. really powerful. And that you had the insight to know that, that that was going to help you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you listeners for listening. Um, and, you know, Elizabeth, we're going to talk a little bit about creating new traditions. So that was a new tradition. I created a new tradition that year. It wasn't yeah. a tradition we kept doing. I, I, I don't remember going back to Arizona for Thanksgiving after that the following year. But that was a new tradition, which is really important for us to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I wanted to say, too, I, I think it's so beautiful, uh, your children requesting to have that quiet Thanksgiving. I just think that just their intentionality behind that and them listening to themselves, too, and what they needed yeah. and that you honored that all together. I just find that so beautiful. So I just wanted to say that. Yeah. And it was. It really was a beautiful dinner. It was really, we had fun, we laughed, you know, we talked and it was just, it was, it was truly lovely. And, and hopefully my kids carry that with them, you know, as they move through all these years later, Stephen will be gone 12 years next month. So it was a long time ago. Yeah. 
But let's talk about some of the um, new traditions, like what I started with my family. Yes. Um, so one thing that you can do, if this resonates for you, is setting a place for your loved ones, even though they are no longer physically there, just having that space that represents them, even placing their name there in the setting of space. I think that that can be a really beautiful way to honor their memory and to help them still feel a part of, of the table and to talk about them. Others may not be sure whether it's okay to talk about them. So if you need to be the one to come to start the conversation around them, a lot of times uh, people that are wanting to be supportive don't know if it's okay. Like it's silly to think that you wouldn't be thinking about them, <laughs> but people might feel skittish around that and wonder, oh, if I bring that that person up, is that going to cause them a lot more pain? Actually, no. <laughs> Typically, it's it's very comforting to have the the ability to talk about your loved one that passed and to say their name as well to make it more personal and bringing them into the space by saying their name and bringing their presence more and their energy more into the space by saying their name can be very powerful. So uh -huh. that is definitely encouraged. So if, if you need to be the one to start the conversation, if you're the one that experienced the loss, you know, you might have to be the one to initiate given that other people may feel awkward or uncomfortable not knowing if they should mention the person who died. Mm -hmm. so those are, and, and even share, yeah, and even share stories about your loved one. You know, and you can ask other people at the table, you know, do they have stories about your loved one? And they could be stories about what your loved one's favorite thing about Thanksgiving was or your loved one's least favorite thing about Thanksgiving. Because as we know, holidays are pretty loaded. They're so wonderful and so fun. And then there are some stressful times. And, you know, sometimes they don't always flow as much as we want them to flow, you know, in that peaceful way. So it's fun to share stories. So you can even say to somebody, you know, tell me something about my loved one that you remember. And, you know, because we as grievers, we love hearing those stories, even if they're like not as positive. You know, we have just the funny stories or oh, I remember when so-and-so did this or oh, remember this happened. And we love that. So ask, ask your family, ask your friends to share some stories if they have them about your loved one. Absolutely. Yeah, stories are very comforting. They can just bring a lot more joy into the space as well. And we're going to sort of segue in, since we talked about finding hope and peace during the Thanksgiving holiday as our topic. Let's talk a little bit about hope, Elizabeth. You know, I have an acronym for hope that I know you totally are digging. Um, you know, there's an acronym that I have heard that I am not fond of. And many of you may have heard it as well. Hold on, pain ends. I don't love that because I don't find it to be completely factual. So what I like to say is hold on, persevere every day. Just hang in that. and just each day, just persevere, get through the day, get through a moment. You know, if you take a shower, pat yourself on the back. You know, if you do the laundry, if you brush your teeth, if you got outside for a second, just pat yourself on the back, especially during the holiday season, just persevere. Be gentle with yourself and pat yourself on the back every day. I absolutely love that statement. I think that's a great one that you could also put on a post-it note and or write onto your mirror. I, I just think there's a lot of 
beauty and power in that. Mm-hmm. In that and, and you know, I, that's going to be the title of my book. So get ready to yeah. at some point that book will come out. <laughs> Love it. Love it. And also treating yourself during this time of year, it's important to treat yourself to something that you enjoy. And this could be something very simple, but little comforts, especially around the holidays, mean everything, I think. And so this could look like taking a walk out in nature. It could be your favorite food. You might want to go get a massage or take a relaxing bath, put some Epsom salts in there or some essential oils. You might have a a TV show or a movie that maybe it's lighthearted and it makes you laugh and makes you feel good. So just doing something, no matter how tiny, you know, putting on some fuzzy, cozy socks and getting cozy in a bathrobe and sitting in front of a fireplace. You know, there's so many little things, drinking, sipping tea, um, that those things are just little ways to nurture yourself and show a little self-care this time of year. Yeah. What's your favorite TV show, Elizabeth? Oh, goodness. Well, it's not a lighthearted show (laughs) by any (laughs) means. Uh, there's moments, but it's my favorite show is actually Outlander. That's my comfort show. And it has a huge following. So I know I'm not alone out there. There's got to be an Outlander fan listening. <laughs> but I, it's it's based off of a book series that it's literally almost going to be 10 books now. But I have followed this show for the last few years. And it's it's my comfort place. You know, it takes a lot of it takes place in the past. So there's candlelight and there's not technology. And I, and I love that about it. So in, in ways, it soothes, it soothes me. <laughs> yeah. So that's my guilty pleasure with, with my TV. What about you? Friends. You like? I just love Friends because I love, you know, I love to laugh. Um, and so I just love watching Friends because it, it always makes me laugh. So especially their um, Thanksgiving episodes, they always just make me chuckle. So some other things that you can do, you know, for that hold on, persevere every day is feel your feelings. Here's what I like to joke around. I've done articles on um, grief, and it's actually in my website. We only stuff the turkey. We don't stuff our feelings. So feel your feelings. Don't suppress them. Don't be the turkey in stuffing your feelings. That's, that's really cute. I love that. I just love that. I love that A little lightheartedness. It is. It's fun. Don't be the turkey. Uh, don't compare your grief to anyone else's either. Again, remembering that your path is yours to follow and no one else's path is going to look like yours. So focusing on your own journey is essential so that you're not worried about where anyone else is or what anyone else is doing. It's about what is true for you. And then, of course, listen to our podcast. You know, listen to two women who travel their own grief journey and, and we continue to travel it, you know, no matter how many years pass. And, and we found the beauty. Both of us have found the beauty in each day, even the hard ones. We find the beauty in those days and we persevere every day. So we would love you to continue joining us. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And we hope that this brings you some a little bit of comfort and a little bit of hope moving into the holiday season. And we hope that you will share this podcast with those you know, 
and also rate and leave us a review. We would love that. But we are always so happy to be here, be here with you and we are thankful for this time. Yep. And as always, Elizabeth, so it's just such a blessing to join you and do this alongside you every month. Same here, Holly. I absolutely love it. So thank you all, and we will see you uh, our next episode. Take care.